When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greetings, humans. You have entered the Command Zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Command Zone podcast. I'm DJ. And I'm Murph. Hey, you might not have seen me for a while. Yeah, welcome back, DJ. It's summertime. I'm glad to have you back. At summertime, I come and just hang around the command zone and they let me film episodes. It's pretty great. (laughs) You might have seen me from last summertime or you might know me from the Jumbo Commander YouTube channel, but I'm super excited to cover these Commander Legends Battle for Baldur's Gate cards with you, Murph. Yes, so we're doing In the 99 today. Uh, we've already covered basically everything Baldur's Gate related. We've covered multicolored legends, legends with backgrounds, backgrounds themselves. Uh, so we've now- done a live, we've done a live show yes. with Josh and Jimmy. And if some of the cards are going to be mentioned there. So if you're like, why didn't they talk about this cool card? It could be a background or it could have been mentioned in the live show. We've got so much coverage going on for Commander Legends Battle for Baldur's Gate that you're going to find all of the best cards everywhere. So today... Just covering in the 99, yes. covering the main set and the singles from the commander decks too. Yeah. And if there's any cards that uh, you find maybe are kind of cool, you might want to pick up, head on over to channelfireball.com slash command. That's the place to go to pick up singles or maybe even sealed product. You can get the commander decks. Uh, Baldur's Gate is a really fun draft environment. So if you got some buddies around, you can get a Baldur's Gate box and draft it. Uh, I did it at Vegas pretty recently. It was a ton of fun. Really enjoyed it. Uh, but yeah, Channel Fireball has vetted sellers, uh, real local game stores that are vying for your business. You know that they're going to be professional. The cards are going to be graded well. And channelfireball.com slash command is just an overall great time to be buying cards. Awesome. Yes. And the other sponsor of this show is Ultra Pro. Ultra Pro has excellent, excellent products. They have deck boxes, sleeves, playmats. They've got the license with wizards to put all the Magic the Gathering art onto the playmats, onto the deck boxes, onto the sleeves. So whenever you buy Ultra Pro products, you know you're going to be getting, first of all, excellent quality, but also you're going to be getting that awesome, awesome art that can really like pull your battlefield together and really theme it up in your own personalized way. Awesome job. Those are some great sponsors, but we also have you guys yes. helping out the command zone. We have a Patreon and one of the perks of being a member of our patron is, uh, you know, being in the discord, chatting with people, you getting to see episodes. Yeah. Getting to see episodes of stuff early. Oh yeah. But of course we always shout out one lucky patron. Every single episode in this episode is dedicated to, to Christopher, Christopher T. Shepard. Christopher. You rock. Thanks Christopher. Yeah. Also one more thing before we get into it. We do have a Kickstarter still going. There's not much time left, but it is for our awesome, awesome 
Before the Storm playmats. Oh my gosh, Majestic Tiger playmats. Majestic what? Tiger playmats. So a lot of our previous playmats have been like after a battle or right before the battle, but this depicts a very cool like lightning tiger and an archer getting ready to battle. Awesome, awesome art. Uh, I, I think it's one of the most beautiful playmats that I've ever seen. I love it. I, I love it a lot. It's so cool. Uh, but anyway, the Kickstarter is winding down. We only make these to sell on the Kickstarter. And then once that Kickstarter is done, no more orders. We're never making this playmat ever again. So if you want it, go on over, lock in your order right now at Kickstarter. Very cool. Yeah, I, I want one of these. This is really awesome. Nice. Yeah. Uh, okay, but let's talk about in the 99 cards that go in all of your commander decks from commander legends batter, battle for Baldur's gate yes i want to find some cards to slot into my existing decks uh i think what we're going to do first is kind of break down some broader categories okay. for some organization uh so let's start off with one of my favorite categories these larger mechanics mm -hmm. myriad oh yeah myriad's a ton of fun so myriad is uh, if something has myriad, then when you attack with that creature, you make token copies that are attacking every other opponent. And then those tokens will get exiled at uh, end of combat. So this is built for multiplayer. Yes, it does absolutely nothing in one-on-one. -on -one. You want to be playing this in multiplayer, and it's a reasonably powerful ability. So if I have more opponents, I make more tokens. Yes. So hits. you're you're saying that like in a I should be doing this in a six-player game? Uh, I don't know what you're doing. Seven-player game. Six and seven-player <laughs> eight-player game. I don't want to be playing in pods <laughs> with you if you're playing. It becomes more powerful in bigger pods. <laughs> it okay. does, actually. It does, actually. <laughs> but Myriad is super powerful because yes. it scales with multiplayer. I, I like that a lot. Um, there's also known synergies with mm -hmm. Myriad, too. Like, if you have a way to uh, multiply these tokens or manipulate them in some way or end your turn to keep them around or uh, ways to double up triggers, there are ways to get extra tokens. And there's yeah. all sorts of cool corner case scenarios with Myriad. So just know that there are sneaky things that you can do with this mechanic as well. Yes. We're not going to go over all of those. Uh, we're mostly going to be focusing on the individual cards, but there are cool things you can do with Mirror. Yeah. I think that when we talk about in the 99, we're thinking about, well, does it fit in your generic deck? Not necessarily yeah. the one deck that can uh, really manipulate these cards. Specifically. Yeah. I think that's an important distinction to make because oftentimes when we're talking about cards, uh, people will be in the comments like, oh no, I think this card's good because it slits into I have deck a very X. specific deck. And that's great. That's awesome. Like that's why magic cards are printed so that mm -hmm. they can go in all sorts of different types of decks and there's different cards for different scenarios right yeah so we're just uh we're reviewing these cards based on like overall power level how how well do they go in generic decks yeah we're guiding you to put these cards in your deck yes uh but that one person that has that very special myriad deck and knows all the corner cases they don't need our advice. They already have this card. Yes. They've already purchased it from Channel Fireball and it's <laughs> in their deck right now. Uh, one thing to note card, too. Though. Oh yeah, this card. All the Myriad cards. All the Myriad cards. One thing to note too is that Myriad stacks. Yes. Um, we've seen Myriad and we've seen the power of it. So we do know a little bit more about this mechanic. We've seen it on Blade of Selves, mm -hmm. which is a reprint, which is also in this set. Blade of Selves is a two-man equipment. Equipped creature has Myriad. Yeah. It has equip four. So we've seen Myriad before, and so we kind of have some tools to evaluate it. Um, Murph, I just think that Myriad in general is powerful. Yes. And I think that I all of the Myriad creatures in this uh, set are worth looking at, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty reasonable take. Uh, I, I like the stuff that gives Myriad to other creatures, because maybe the creature that already exists with Myriad doesn't have any cool abilities on it. Mm. Maybe it's just like pretty bland, like from the C15 decks. The creatures weren't usually great when they had Myriad, but stuff like Blade of Selves or any creatures with cool abilities already on it 
I think are definitely things that we want to be looking at. All right, let's take a look at one of those creatures with cool abilities. Let's talk about the Battle Angels of Tear. Oh, that's cool. So this one's a two white white creature angel knight. It's got flying and myriad. When it deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Uh, if that player has more cards in hand than each other player, then you create a treasure token. If that player controls more lands than each other player, then you gain three life. If that player has more life than each other player. Murph, I think this card is so good. You think this card's so good? I think it's so good. I mean, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> how many, how many four drops do you have in your repertoire that can just smash in for 12 damage? That is true. Like it, it is damage. It's not just the effects. Like Smash! four mana, it has flying. Like that can't be counted out. You'll almost always have somebody that can be attacked with this because everybody having something that can profitably block a 4-4 flyer in the air doesn't happen super often, right? Yeah, so I feel like this opens up lines of attacks so you can get it in. And the trigger, like the trigger's just great. If you draw a card off of this, like you play Moldrifter, like you play yeah. other cards that just enter the battlefield and draw you a single card. Mm -hmm. If this triggers to draw you a card and deals 12 damage, maybe gets a treasure and you can keep triggering this over and over again. Like that's the, the ceiling on this thing is insane. Yeah. I, I'm a little bit lower on it in that. You're you lower than my ceiling. <laughs> Murph. I, look, I don't think that this is a bad card. In fact, I do think it's a good card, uh, but it specifies that that opponent has to have more than, not equal to or more than, for example. So they have to have the most lands in the game, including uh, against you. They have to have the most cards in hand, including you. So there is like a limit. There's a cap. You're right. It. If I'm winning the game, I don't get triggers off of my angel. If I have the most cards in hand, the most life <laughs> and the most lands on the battlefield and I'm smashing in for 12... That's I'm okay. True, I'm okay also, in that situation. I might have seven cards in hand. Do you really need to win more, more that much, Murray? <laughs> it's not win more. I might not have the cards in hand that I want, even if it's seven cards. But also, do you think the kind of deck that plays uh, an angel on four, mm -hmm. you know, might be the kind of deck that does deploy to the battlefield pretty well and might be a little bit low on cards yeah. is maybe playing white. So might not have as many lands on the battlefield as another player. Yeah. Uh, definitely being in white, I think is very helpful uh, because they might not have as many lands in play. Although another card in this set kind of uh, nullifies that, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> but, I, but you know what, Murph? I, I see what you mean that I'm envisioning, envisioning this card on turn four. Yeah. Or ramped on turn three. Uh, but smashing in early on, getting those triggers, doing that damage, pressuring your opponents. And you're more thinking of like, well, there's tons of states in the game. Yeah. There's tons of times that this angel can come down. And there's maybe a bunch of times that it's just not going to perform as well as some other creatures that are more reliable that just enter the battlefield and have a trigger. Yeah. I, I still think it's good, though. Yeah, I don't think it's awful later in the game. I, I just think it's like the expectations have to be tempered with what you're going to get from it, I think. I was hyping them up too much. Uh, maybe a little bit. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll pull it back a little. I'll pull it back a little bit. Okay, I came out the gate strong. Here's another one that we can hype up. Yeah, let's talk about another myriad card. It's Legion Loyalty. Six white white for an enchantment. That's eight man enchantment. That's a lot. Creatures you control have myriad. Holy moly! Woo! <laughs> so I like this card a lot. I, I think that eight mana is a lot, but this is pretty darn powerful because. All of your other creatures will have myriad, and that could be anything with enter the battlefield effects. I right? mean, you play good. <laughs> hopefully, you're playing good creatures that will like give you value as you apply it. And by the way, we talked about how we have this uh, prior experience from Blade of Self, so mm -hmm. we know that giving things myriad can be great, and giving yeah. your whole team myriad can be phenomenal. Murph. I read things on the internet. I know yeah, it's yeah. inadvisable, but I do. I read things on the internet. I'm so sorry for and, you. <laughs> yeah. 
and and there are people saying that this is the white crater hoof. Okay, that's do, interesting. Do you have opinions about that? Okay, so crater hoof. You usually play it. You have to have at least a board, otherwise crater hoof does mostly nothing. I guess if they're at like what five, you could play a crater hoof and attack with it. That was a nice paper airplane. Thank you. <laughs> I haven't thrown a paper off the desk in in like six months, so years. I'm excited about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's been years. years. What are you talking about? <laughs> Anyway, so Crater Hoof, you have to have a board in order for it to be effective. Same True. thing with this. You also have to have a board to be effective. Absolutely right. Okay, but we can assume that if you're playing either a Crater Hoof or this card, you're in a creature-based strategy. Yeah. Hopefully, you have some sort of board. Mm -hmm. Obviously, let's take the other end of the spectrum. No board, it's bad. If you have a gigantic board, both of them can win the game. Yeah. You know, Myriad will multiply your creatures out, dealing all of that damage to everyone, giving mm -hmm. you tons of triggers, doing crazy stuff. Crater Hoof just pumps everything and gives a trample. All So yeah. at the top end, they both win the game. I think that it has to do with in that middle ground, right? Mm. Those not ideal scenarios where yeah. you just got, you know, three or four creatures out. Maybe you even got some good creatures, but not enough to really be that finisher where you kill everything. Yeah, I think this actually shines more than Crater Hoof in that like, middle-of-the-road thing because with Crater Hoof, if you're like, oh, well, I don't want to win the game right now. I don't want to take somebody out right now. Well, not that you don't want to win the game, but oh, I can't win the game. But basically, you're saying that if you have a modest board state, you play the Crater Hoof and you get enough to only kill Murph. Yes. But, not, but then you're kind of left open to Jimmy and Ashlyn. Exactly. Like, you might just die on the crackback because you just demonstrated that you have the ability to kill somebody so people are gonna be scared of you and rightfully so sometimes it's good to kill a player yeah sometimes it and is. myriad and this the myriad the um this thing can't do that yeah that, that is true because the myriad is says it has to go at uh, you make tokens for each other spread player it out, you yeah. gotta spread it out so with crater hoof you can just be like big board going straight at you take out that threat then we're good uh so uh, this card doesn't have that flexibility but i think in the like middle of the road case scenario where you have a few creatures on the board and then you play this i think it's still very good mm. i think that what it gives you is a little bit more staying power than crater mm -hmm. hoof like the scenario that you described has me tapped out killing you yeah you know Actually, I said that, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> but just imagine you have some other creatures, and even though you don't kill anyone, they help you stabilize a little bit more. Like, yeah. just imagine you're playing Solitude, and you Ooh. that you know you get two more copies Ooh. of that, and suddenly you're taking out two creatures. Ooh, I You've love You've got that. Aerial Extortionist. You know, you're bouncing other creatures, exiling them, oh. uh, putting your opponents back. There's so many different creatures that you can have. I'm a big fan of uh, Righteous Valkyrie. Mm -hmm. uh, this is three mana for a 2-4 Flying Angel Cleric. Whenever another angel or cleric enters the battlefield in your control you gain life equal to that creature's toughness yep. so two more of these coming on the battlefield will have you gaining a ton of life and if your life total is seven or more creatures you control get plus uh two plus two mm -hmm. so this could theoretically have your team buff plus six plus six. Oh, that's so good so it feels like a lot of these cards help you stabilize more like that card is just a generic like oh hey i'm gonna gain some life yeah that's stabilization you know m compared with some of these other things that can take out creatures like I can see a medium attack suddenly having you like make it around to the next turn mm -hmm. so you can do it again yeah and again yeah and again yeah it, i think it provides just so much value where something like crater hoof doesn't really provide value it provides like a big one-shot laser cannon yeah I mean, and, and here's the thing. We also, we know about Myriad from Blade of Cells, but we also know about like flicker decks, like extra mm -hmm. ETBs. Panharmonicons have been in decks over and over again. And so if we have things that prey on that, like just imagine Thrag Tusk. Yeah. Oh. You know, 
You just gain, you <laughs> so just, I'm, hey, I'm going to gain a bunch of extra life and I'm going to leave beasts behind. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you got to sacrifice the Thrag Tusks in order to make that happen because I believe the token's exile with Myriad. Ah, but Thrag Tusk just says uh, when Thrag Tusk leaves, oh, when the, leaves battlefield, the battlefield. I forgot. That's Thrag Tusk why, is so good. <laughs> Murph, weren't you Thrag playing Tusk. Thrag Tusk Restoration Angel back in the day? Because I was. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> no, no, I do remember that meta. I remember that meta. I was a new player at the time. <laughs> but here's the thing. There are, granted, we are talking about the top end yeah. type of cards, you know, but there are, like, Archon of Cruelty exists. That's so Grey Merchant of Asphodel exists. Kakusho, I've Kakushoed. Even though the copies get Legend to rule themselves out, you still get all of these triggers draining everyone. Heck, Terror of the Peaks. Terror of Holy the Peaks. Holy moly. Yeah, with something like Grey Merchant or Terror of the Peaks, you can very easily turn this card into, okay, now it's basically Crater Hoof-esque. I'm now pew, killing pew, people. Pew, pew. I'm now taking people out because of the amount of value that I'm gaining and the amount of damage and life mm. loss that I'm able to dole out. So does it go in every deck? Probably not, but... No, I think you need, like, I think you need a creature-based strategy. I think that you need a critical mass of creatures. Yeah. And here's here's the thing. Like there are going to be some cards that are, that finish better than it, yeah. you know, and it depends on your deck. You know, you might say, Hey, um, you know, my Acroma's Memorial or Acroma's Vengeance or all those other Acroma things, uh, they might work a little bit better for your deck, yeah. you know, and that could be true. But here's the thing though, even with Craterhoof, even with all these other finishers, I just get excited about this myriad effect. I get excited about Legion loyalty. Yeah, like do you get- It is so commandery. Do you get excited when you play Crater Hoof? No, no. I've cut Crater Hoof from so many decks because it's just Crater Hoof. I, I still play it, but it's not ever something that's like, yes, this is super exciting or very fun for the table. It's like, okay, yeah, I get it. It's a win con. You got to have win cons in your deck, but it's Myriad, not. Yeah, myriading your entire board to just crack into everyone. It's probably a pain triggers. to track though. Oh man. <laughs> Pain to track. It is a joy to track. <laughs> a joy. I'm a big. I'm a big fan. Mostly because I think that this is is commandery. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I I really do like that. It's a big enchantment that does really really cool things, in a color that doesn't really have a ton of top end, which I like. Cool. Uh, okay. So again, check out all of the Myriad cards because I think it's great. Yeah. Do a search for Myriad. Look at them all. Fantastic. But those are the ones that we're focusing on. We're going to move on to another category. I've lumped together. Dragons. Yes. I mean, it's Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons. They're, they're, they're dragons. <laughs> there there are dragons. dragons in this set. Yeah. However, there are five very important elder dragons that we want to talk about today. Right, DJ? Absolutely. So why don't you run through the five dragons because they share a lot, and then we can find out whether these are going to fit in the 99 of your decks. Yeah. So all of these dragons, whenever they deal combat damage to a player, you roll a d20 and do an effect. So the red one is Ancient Copper Dragon. That's six mana for a six five. Uh, roll a d20 to make treasure tokens. Uh, Ancient Gold Dragon is the white one. Seven mana, seven ten. Uh, roll a d20, make one one flyers equal to the results. Uh, the blue one is eight mana, eight eight. Uh, roll when it deals damage to draw cards equal to the result, and you have no max hand size for the rest of the game. Uh, the black one is seven mana. Uh, you roll a d20 on hits, and when that happens, you get uh, creature cards with mana cost X or less equal to the dice roll. And then the ancient bronze dragon is the green one, seven mana, seven seven. Uh, when it deals damage, put X plus one plus one counters on up to two creatures. So I'm incredibly lucky. So I'm going to get 20 treasures, 20 flying one, one dragons every, every time. time. So uh, that's how you play this card. All right. Just get lucky. If you can get lucky enough to roll a 20 every time, I think we literally mentioned this last time when, when we were doing the forgotten realms 
Uh, oh, just be lucky? We were talking about, like, these uh, dice rolling cards. Just be lucky, and that, that'll get you there. Solved. <laughs> Solved. Advice given. But, okay, well, if we look at it, a 10.5 yes. is what we can expect. Because sometimes you'll roll a 1, and sometimes you'll roll a 20. Mm -hmm. uh, on average, 10.5 things. Yeah. Uh, 10.5 treasures, 10.5 cards, 10.5 one, 1 flying dragons. These all seem pretty good. It seems great. But let's take a step back here. Okay. In order to get these 10.5 things we have to play a six to eight drop dragon mm -hmm. have it sit on the battlefield for an entire turn as everyone says well what is that now and you get out your d20 ready to roll yeah. and then it has to attack and make contact with a person yeah these effects are so powerful like 10 one ones on the board 10 cards it's so powerful that people can't let that hit them mm. and so i have a feeling that these dragons are going to be like the definition of dies to removal Mm. So you think that's there just all like you got to kill on site. Otherwise, are you going to let one of these hit you? I mean, no, <laughs> no, I don't <laughs> want to. But maybe if you run enough creatures that you must kill on sites, one of them gets through. Like that's the that's the way of commander, right? Murph suggests <laughs> running all five dragons in your deck. <laughs> run so all five of them. Problem <laughs> solved. Uh, I think that you need a very specific type of deck because these are so expensive. You know, uh, seven mana is a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. You know, it's it's difficult. You're going to get there eventually, but it's in the way late game and you can't have very many seven drops. Yeah. And so I, I'm wondering. It's got to be a seven drop and you got to wait a turn or have something else that gives it haste, other yeah. sort of synergy, and then make sure you hit contact with it before it gets removed. So I'm wondering if this makes it into the generic good stuff deck, if you should put it into your 99 or whether this belongs in specific dragon synergies or, yeah. you know big ramp you know crazy deck you know i don't know yeah well which one much more narrow what, what do you think is the best one like what is your order of these cards like, right. how would you rank them well i think that ancient bronze dragon the or ancient <laughs> copper dragon yeah the one that creates treasures the red one the red one uh i think that's the best most mostly though because it's six mana honestly Oh, yeah. Like, that's I can point. see myself casting it at six mana. Mm -hmm. So I think that that is far and away the one uh, that people should be looking at. Uh, I believe it's the most expensive one, so people are looking at it. Yeah. Um, and I do think it's the best by a lot. What about the rest of them? Oh, Murph. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we got the white one. That's All right. Next. One okay. Number one is the red one. Number two is... The white one, I like. I think a lot of one one dragons is really powerful. Mm -hmm. Then number three, I have ancient silver dragon. I love drawing cards, but eight mana is that's a lot. One, yeah. yeah, that's the blue one. Then we have uh, ancient uh, brass dragon. That's the black one. Mm -hmm. uh, reanimating stuff is fine, but um, you know, just hit reanimate something. I mean, we have like you have a like Rakshasa Death Dealer. I think is six mana. Rakshasa Debaser. Yeah. Debaser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just attacks. Yeah. And it, you get something from their graveyard. Yeah, there's a nine mana one that Post Malone played where it's just like, get everything from all graveyards. Oh, Rise of the Dark Realms? Rise of the Dark Realms, yeah. That's yeah. Cool. So, I don't know. I don't. I, I feel like there's yeah. better reanimation out there. And then Ancient Bronze Dragon is very green. And boring. It's, boor it's just <laughs> it's like, pretty boring. get bigger. <laughs> it's just like, I'm so much bigger for next I'm turn. I'm so glad the white one wasn't gained that much life. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I would have laughed so hard if it was roll d20 gained that much life. <laughs> No, the one ones is good. I think the one ones are cool. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of my order? Um, I would agree for the most part. I'd swap the white and the blue one. I think the blue one is better than the white one. Like, I think it has more, like, obvious Drawing cards scenarios. is definitely better, but yeah. eight, eight. 
It's eight I, over the thing, seven. Though, they're all they're all so expensive. Yeah. That's the thing. I think that I have to have my expectations tempered a little bit because mm-hmm. I I think that it's gonna be hard to cast them. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I think you're right. That's most of them don't. You don't really just like jam in your average deck. You, you totally can. It'll do. It'll be fine. But as far as like optimization goes, uh, maybe just the red one. Play them if you're in a dragon deck. Play them if you love yeah. them. If you have the red one, go for it. But it might. You might. If you're trying to actually generate treasures, you might uh, want to try a dockside extortionist or something like that. You know, <laughs> something a little bit more Hello, reliable. DJ, I recommend playing dockside extortionist. <laughs> Real original. Murph, take it out of context. <laughs> just Jessica's will. No, just play Jessica's will. That's how you generate mana. <laughs> when you, if you want, if you want to generate treasures, there are more reliable ways of doing it than yes. playing a six drop and having to hit someone and rolling dice. Yes, but that being said, fun cards. I like them a lot. I okay, perfect. Okay, but hang on. I know that these are the flashiest, the biggest of dragons, but I actually think that there's a lot more dragon to talk about. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I specifically want to shout out two two drop dragons. I want to talk about Reckless Barbarian and Scaled Nurturer. Okay. Um, Why don't you give Reckless Barbarian a read? Oh, yeah. So Reckless Barbarian is a one and a red. uh, It's a creature dragon barbarian. You can sacrifice it to add red red to your mana pool, and it's a 2-2. So why do you like this, DJ? Okay. I know why I like it, but I want want to hear your thoughts. So uh, dragons as a tribe are very top heavy. We've just seen a ton of six, seven, eight drop dragons. There are so many big, chonky dragons out there uh, that if you were to make your your cool dragon deck and lay it out in front of you, Mm -hmm. you're going to have so much up at the top end and no support at the bottom end. You're going to have very few two drops. And so you'll fill it in with other stuff. But this is a two-drop dragon, and it's a two-drop dragon that when it's irrelevant, you cash it in to get your eight-drop dragon into play. Oh, yeah. So not only does it fit into your curve, it one-time ramps you into the bigger, more relevant dragon that you need. Yeah. And dragons have synergies. Just think about Scourge of Valkus that triggers mm. when dragons enter the battlefield. Think about, about Dragon dragons. Tempest. Yeah. Think about Lathless oh, Dragon Lathless. Queen. That's so good. Think about the Ur-Dragon making this only cost one single red mana. Ooh, baby. And then sacrificing to generate you mana. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, I and by the way, so just throwing in a little bit of advice with Scale Nurturer, a two mana mana dork, blah. You know what I mean? Yeah. We have Birds of Paradise. But the fact that this is a dragon means that everything that I said is true. You know, Scourge of Alcus triggers it. The Ur dragon makes it yep. only cost a single green. You know, Lathless creates a dragon with it. So I think that uh, you should look out for creatures in your tribe that break the norm. You yeah. know? And the norm for dragons is big, powerful, flying, big thing. And every so often, if you can get a little tutu that provides some utility, like that's important. Yeah, because you do have to have like a low end. Because I know that yeah. from personal experience, when playing a dragon's deck, it's oftentimes ramp play out all your early pieces, like not creatures. And people are always scared of the dragon deck. So they're almost always going to like hammer you with damage, hammer you with damage. By the time you get your first dragon or two outs, you've already lost like a pretty good chunk of life. So even something as small as having something that could deter those attacks. Get your two drop out so that Craig doesn't infect you and that you can attack someone's planeswalker. That's all I want to do. I I just don't want to die immediately to infect. (laughs) Uh, specifically with the Reckless Barbarian, though, I like this card a lot, aside from it being like a dragon tribal card, mm. uh, because of that ability to sack for red-red, and it's a colorless and a red to cast. Uh, I think this is good in like higher-powered commander decks. I've been playing a good bit of CEDH, Murph. which I'm... 
You're an, you're now our CDH expert. I am not a CDH expert. Everyone at Murph long about shot. CDH advice. By a long <laughs> shot. Uh, but that being said, like I have a Kroxa deck. And so at least I know what that deck wants. And what- Oh my gosh. So Kroxa escapes for red, red, black, black. Yeah. Difficult to cast and escapes by exiling cards. You sacrifice this thing. You create the two red that you need. And it's a card to escape to exile from your graveyard. It's a card to escape. It's a Woo. card for like ending the world gorger animate dead loop in your graveyard, oh. which I think is very good. Uh, but most importantly, I think it's good because we have cards like blood pets, which is just a black and sacrifice for a black. Uh, but skirk prospector yeah goblin that can, can create a red but those uh, wild those are Panther. i mean people yeah. play lotus petal yes lotus petal lotus is a very zero <laughs> mana artifact and just like gives you a mana and so the idea of being able to save up mana for bigger turns or yeah. be able to you know storm chain cards and other other cards and all the uh, more mana could mean that this has some more playability than i first thought yeah and i, I think the big thing for this is that it's a colorless and a red it's not like two red mana because in high-powered commander games, you oftentimes have an abundance of colorless mana. You've got your mana vaults, you got your grim monoliths, all these things that will help provide colorless mana, but oftentimes you are restricted solely because of the amount of colored mana that you need to use. So I think that this can be like pushed out super early in games, oftentimes turn one, uh, turn two, basically at any point when you need it, and just turn that into actual colored mana that you can use for other things. Do you know what you should try? What? Dockside Extortionist. It's Thank like, you. it like stores up mana too, but like sometimes more. Than... Moving on. I don't, know, I don't know if you would believe this, DJ, but Dockside Extortionist, very good in CDH. <laughs> I know it's so crazy. much faster. Okay. So um, crazy. All right. All right. We're talking about mana. Okay. Uh, let me convince you. Okay. Murph is very suspicious. I'm all ears. I'm all ears. He's very suspicious of this card. Okay. Because it's a three mana mana rock. Okay. Don't turn off the episode. I know that people are d- moving away from three mana mana rocks. They has, dislike them. Has to do a lot, DJ. Me as well. Okay. Uh, this is there are three mana mana rocks that synergize with dragons. I want to talk about Carnelian okay. Orb of Dragonkind. Two and a red for an artifact. Tap at red. Uh, if that mana is spent on a dragon creature spell, it gains haste until end of turn. So, DJ, you think this is a good card? A three mana. Okay. So a three <laughs> mana mana rock is acceleration. Correct. Yes. We used to run them all the time. Remember back in the day, Murph. I used to run Manalus and I liked it. Yes. Okay. So, so, all right, this is playable, but then there's sometimes you, you need dragons that have haste. Uh We just mentioned five elder dragons and we were like, oh, do you know, it'd be great if this thing had haste so we could actually connect with our opponents. There are sometimes big chunky dragons. You want them attacking earlier. And so the idea that this can give you them haste could be the utility that you need. I would rather just run like lightning greaves. Okay. Dragon, okay, Dragon Tempest. Okay. You're you are correct. Okay. Those are both good cards okay. too. Yes. But here's the thing. This this does two things. So if you are playing this on three, then you're accelerating mana because it produces a mana. Okay. okay. It also grants haste, which means that you are attacking a turn earlier. So it's almost like you're accelerating two turns, one for the mana and one for the haste. A three mana mana rock that accelerates two things in your dragon specific deck, two turns. That's better than just, you know, just granting haste or just adding extra mana. I mean, it's it's not exactly. Yeah, yes, you get, do get to attack a turn earlier, but I don't think it's accelerating you by two. Besides, even if it but did. But it is. No, wait, if, if your whole goal is to attack with your dragon, it is accelerating you two turns. DJ, we don't even run Worn Power Stone that much. 
You're gonna hate on Warren Powerstone now? Warren Get in the comments, all my Warren Powerstone people, and call out Murph. Warren Powerstone is a better card than this card. Hundred <laughs> percent. But well, hang on, okay, Warren. Okay. Warren Power. One. Warren Powerstone. Mm -hmm. You are correct. Yes. But. Like, Warren Powerstone still opens your dragon up to removal, whereas this can get your Elder Dragon in, and then you can roll d20s. I don't know. I'd just rather run, like, lower mana value ramp cards and also just other things with haste that already synergize. Like, Lightning Greaves also like gives Shrouds. Dragon Tempest also gives haste and does damage when dragons come into play. Put in, like, Swiftfoot Boots or, like, whatever your other favorite haste enabler is. Not this. <laughs> and you'll be set. No one tell Murph that also a bunch of dragons already come with haste. Okay, moving <laughs> I on. I don't know why to... you like this card. <laughs> moving on to another category. I want to talk about gates. Oh, okay. I like we, gates. We are in Commander Legends Battle for Baldur's Gate. And we have brand new gates. Uh, and... I'm so glad that the designers were like, this is Baldur's Gate. What should we have? Gate. Yeah. Done. <laughs> Ship it. <laughs> All right. So so we have the literal Baldur's Gate. Yes. The Cabal Coffers of Gates. We will read that card, but we also have extra gates. And so I want you to read Baldur's Gate, and I want you to think in your mind, are gates a thing now? Yeah. Okay. So we got Baldur's Gate, so legendary land that's also a gate. You tap for a colorless or pay two tap at X mana of any one color where X is the number of other gates you control. Cabal Coffers is super powerful. It's very <laughs> expensive. If we're playing a gate deck, this can produce a ton of mana, not to mention gates help fix us. Yes. Is this the new budget mana base? Um, <laughs> like, are you saying that because of this, people should run like a lot of gates and that's their budget mana base? You're I mean, saying there's that other, there's other cool, I mean, I'm, we're not going to go in and mention all of the yes. tiny synergies of like, you could run Guild Summit, you could run Gates Ablaze, you could run Gatebreaker Ram. Yeah, but you you're know? saying that people sh might be considering that now. Yeah. I mean, I would say no, just because every single gate enters tapped. Uh, this one doesn't. That's true. Lawyered! <laughs> <laughs> I've been foiled immediately with my point. No, but but most, a lot of them do. Most, most of, of the do. gates yeah. enter the battlefield tapped, like a very large majority. And of if you're them. running, there there are twenty gates, and yeah. so if you're running like twenty gates, when a huge portion of your mana base enters tapped, there there is a cost. Yeah, but is that cost worth it? I mean, like think about the uh, another ma budget mana base. How many of those yeah. lands enter the battlefield? Yeah, I mean, you would get access to this. You would get access to Maze's End, but I don't think that having those as potential like a mana ramp slash alternate win cons are worth the tempo that having that many tap lands will like get you like i think that if you are in a five color mana base you pick up all of the uh triple lands from like Konzotark here and shards of Alara block and a bunch of basics and then pick a couple other untapped lands that are cheap that you think are cool like command tower or something like that and i think that that will provide you a much better mana base a much more consistent mana base and one that won't fall behind because of the sheer amount of and other battlefield tapped lands you have because if most of your mana base is tapped lands you're basically playing a turn behind everybody else we talk about how important it is to have mana ramp yeah. like we're, we're squabbling over like you know well does haste get you attacking faster yeah. was one mana ramp no three mana rocks are bad two mana rocks are if your lander is a battlefield tapped and you can't cast your spell yeah that undoes all of the other work that you've done by putting in a ramp into your deck. Mm -hmm. And so I think the tap lands are something that you seriously need to look at. Yeah. So conclusion, this doesn't even touch traditional high powered mana bases. No, not even, uh, even budget conscious folk, like people focusing and playing basics, this yeah. doesn't measure up. But if you like the style, if you're going for synergies, yeah. uh, give it a try. But 
except the fact that you might be a turn behind. Exactly. I, I think that's a very good way to look at it. Awesome. Uh, okay. We have covered the main categories. Now we're going to talk about individual cards. But before we do, we're going to hear a word from our sponsors. Don't go away. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, everyone. Welcome back. We're going to talk about some individual cards and we're going to start with some white cards. Yeah, I think white has some of the spiciest cards of the set. Oh my gosh. Let's yeah. talk about one of the best ones. All right. We got Archivist of Ogma. It's a one and a white, two mana flash creature. Whenever an opponent searches their library, you gain a life and draw a card. It's a two-two. That's great. That's really good, yeah. Two mana draw card is a staple. Like, we play Elvish Visionary and Fibblethip and Spirited Companion and all of these <laughs> other things. You play those. <laughs> you don't play those? Uh, Elvish Visionary, maybe. But even so, even so. Like, drawn cards is good. Those and are played in Commander. People play those. People do play those, yeah. Not Murph, though. Hating, hating Fibblethip. I'm getting so much not sass hating on, on my right over here. Th this is a good card. I'm not disagreeing with But you. here's the thing. Yeah. This could draw two cards. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> when you play it, you'll usually like flash it out and like get somebody with it, right? Yeah. It'll be like, ha, gotcha, draw a card. Well, how often, life. let's figure it out. Because yeah. how often are you going to get someone? How often are you going to draw a card? Uh, in, in your meta, in our meta, how often do people search their library? Uh, quite a bit. Because I have the fortunate job of <laughs> editing commander gameplay for a living and so i can i go into painstaking detail about how often people will tutor right because we have to do like a whole little animation you're for the it. exact like, right person for brackets. this so yeah. how often does it happen um per person sure or just overall yeah let's just say per person yeah per person it's like four or five Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Like, so fetch lands, uh, ramping, um, what else? Tutor, like actual tutors. Yeah. It could easily be more. Wow. Like, I, I would err on the side of maybe a little bit more than four. Murph is saying that a little bit more than four. So he's saying that you're going to draw at least <laughs> 15 cards <laughs> when you play this two said. drop. 15 cards for a two drop? 
I mean, it's amazing. Perhaps, but here's the thing. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's like, okay, but let's just say that like, it only gets you a couple cards, two or three cards before it gets caught up in a board wipe or someone realizes it's gaining you too much value and it dies. That's still good. That's one of the best white card draw out piece out there, right? Yeah. That's still very, very good. It's phenomenal. So like, it's got life gain on it too. Like that makes it even more white, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You're right. You know, if it, if it feels like a color break, cause we're drawing cards, just throw some life gain on it and you're good. Yeah. Uh, I personally love this card. I think that it's one of the best creatures that in white that generates card advantage, uh, specifically because it's so, uh, quick to cast because it's flashy and it only costs two mana. Yeah. Uh, and you need to hold two mana up. And right? also, are you going to like not ramp because of this? Or are you gonna let me draw a card? Yeah, that's the thing. I think like with something like Ristic Study, where you're like, oh man, well, I just have to slow down my game plan, pay the one, or that's what you should be doing. <laughs> uh, Why are you looking at me? I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at the camera. Oh, look at, yeah, look at them. I'm hoping that uh, Josh Lee Quiet is watching this. <laughs> <laughs> Does he not pay the one? Oh, you didn't watch the last game nights? Go I, have, of course go watch I watched the game last game nights. Of course I did. <laughs> he did not pay the one for like 20 cards in a row. <laughs> The point is that with Ristic Study, it just happens so often that people are oftentimes scared of it and they will be paying the one. Whereas with like this, it triggers reasonably often, but not so often that people are going to be like, oh, well, I'm just not going to fetch. I'm just not going to rampant growth or something like that. Right? Because I, I would still do that into this. Sounds great. I'm going to I'm gonna play it. I'm going to draw 15 cards according to Murph. And it's going to be, and it's gonna be a, an amazing card. It's a really good card, though. All right. I can't wait to play it. I want to follow up with another amazing two-drop. Uh -huh. This is Deep Gnome Terramancer. One and a white for a 2-2 two -two Gnome Wizard with Flash. It's got Mold Earth. Whenever one or more lands enter the battlefield under an opponent's control without being played, mm -hmm. you may search your library for a Plains card, put it on the battlefield tapped, then shuffle, do this only once per turn. Murph, how often do lands under the battlefield when they're not played? Uh, a lot. This, I mean, kind of similar with the last one. People play fetch lands a lot, Fetch right? lands again. Yep. Tutoring lands onto the battlefield. Ramping growth. Solemn simulacra. Yeah. This happens all the time. And again, this only has to trigger once. Yeah. And uh, it's suddenly competitive with all the other white ramp out there. And if it happens twice, it's insane. Yeah. People play loyal Warhound, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's this card and the previous one are both like pretty similar with what they're trying to do. It's like one gotcha and then they'll stick around and continue to provide that effect until somebody's like, eh, you've had enough of that or it just gets hit by a board wipe or something like that. But I think with this one, you're much happier getting to land in a play tapped than, uh, than just a card, right? Because I, I think that's much more powerful. For sure. I know you say they look similar, but like the one's a halfling cleric and the other's a gnome wizard. They're two mana, two that's not, flash from the same I know set. they're both short <laughs> and and this bedecked in robes, but you really got to respect the, the this, halfling versus the gnome. This whole episode Murph. is DJ being like, here's words, I'm going to put them into your mouth. Just, oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it is kind of surprising that they put both of these in the same set because they're both so good. They're both so good. They feel similar and I, I'm excited to play both of them Sim okay we already had this discussion with uh the archivist of agma but for deep gnome terramancer yeah are you gonna not ramp if this is on the battlefield probably not i, I might think twice about it with like sometimes you'll have a late game rampant growth and you'll be like oh no nah, i won't play it because they also have that I'm you don't want a buddy ramp with me 
I mean, depends on if we're friends at that point in the Commander game. But I'm, I might think twice about that. But other than that, like most other but in, things... But in all the development stage... Yes, in all the development ramping. stage, I'm not going to stop ramping. By the way, I'm doing the same thing. I'm yeah. ramping uh, into this. And you know what? If you finally have this out and White is good at ramping, then, you know, we can be besties. Um, I also like that it's a planes. Yeah, it's not just a basic planes. It doesn't care if they have more lands than you because that's, oh, yeah. that's a writer that keeps getting put on White cards, which kills me. They always have that catch-up mechanic. Like, oh, you can... You can ramp but only up to the you know opponent that has the most lands. exactly i don't want to be dependent on there being a green deck at the table for my white ramp to be good yeah okay so this gets the extra lands yeah it even goes past other people it gets you planes so you can pick up a triome or a dual land or put in there yeah yeah oh oh my gosh it's amazing i like that i I like this card a lot i like both these cards a lot actually i like like watching it white is fun well let's round out white with one more card yeah we got cut a deal it's two and a white sorcery each opponent draws a card then you draw a card for each opponent who drew a card this way so immediately the immediate comparison is secret rendezvous from strixhaven where you and target opponent each draw three cards it's something similar uh where you're drawing three cards and giving your opponents advantage except with this one it's spread out amongst all your opponents i don't like it when it's spread out though because really? yeah because i like being political like if i give you three cards um you're also going to give me a favor no like, that's, the way, that's the way then you don't get three cards and guess what josh will make that deal he's no, not gonna he won't. for three cards uh-huh. josh i feel like calling him up right now and be like, like hey hello will you not josh. attack me for two turns for three cards and he will be like that's true deal josh is known to be very greedy for with three card cards draw. you can get a lot for three cards and so that's why and so that's why i like being able to target people politically mm-hmm. rather than just saying like well all of you can have one yeah i think secret rendezvous you're right it definitely has to be played as a political piece mm-hmm. whereas this one which is it's called cut a deal so i don't know why it's not political because yeah, you're not making any deals deal. good point murph yeah jeez oh, <laughs> um yeah I, I don't know why it's called that but you're not giving one person a favor you're saying eh, everyone can draw a card and i'll get the most advantage out of it it's, you're you have invested the card so yeah. you're up two cards yes. you know what i mean you've invested the mana and three is not an insignificant amount mm-hmm. uh and you've just given away three cards yeah but it's spread out it is spread out you we were talking about earlier i'm excited if you isn't play the difference this between me. one card and three cards pretty darn big i think it's pretty big yeah you're right it also keeps fuel going for the entire game it's not just one person because I, I just like howling mind type effects because it gives it to everybody everybody gets extra card draws everybody makes sure that their deck keeps moving the game keeps going and i think that a card like this accelerates you the most but also just keeps the game moving which i really like do you know what i like that because it is better than howling mind which is very equal yeah. maybe even putting you at a disadvantage yeah, you have to spend yeah, the card to, to do yeah. it so i like the idea this is a way to kind of like just keep the game moving mm-hmm. and do you know what you can leverage your deck around this if you have a that can deploy these three cards faster than your opponents then you have more ability to have board presence over your opponent's single card or play this in an eight player commander pod profit <laughs> we've broken it we, broke we just it. need more eight player commander pods yep, yep, we have yep. myriad and oh man we've done it murph okay now we just gotta now we just gotta get some eight player commander pods going on <laughs> Woo! Good luck. Okay, that's white. Um, plus, by the way, the myriad cards. So white actually was was doing pretty good this set. Um, but let's move on to blue cards. Yeah. I want to talk about something so... Look at it. It's so adorable. You'll see it on screen. Yes. 
but the ability is not adorable. So I, I see it. it. Look at it, Murph. It's a Displacer Kitten. Three and a blue. Creature, cat, beast. Uh, whenever you cast a non-creature spell, exile up to one target non-land permanent you control, then return that battlefield, return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control, and it's a 2-2. Two, two. Okay, so there are a few key words on this that make it so much better yeah. than many other cards that you might feel are similar. Mm -hmm. The fact that it triggers on non-creature spells. Yeah is so good. It's uh, not just instants and sorceries, it's yeah. artifacts and enchantments, even planeswalkers. So the, sure. the thing that's really important is that it triggers off of permanence and it blinks permanence. Yeah. You know, so the fact that you can play an artifact and also blink an artifact is really, really good. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that you're not just limited to blinking creatures, which by the way, if you're just blinking creatures, great, totally fine. Yeah. But this has the ability to uh, blink tapped mana rocks, untapping them, yeah. blink planeswalkers, resetting them so you can activate them again. Yeah, I think I, that's one of the big things as well is that it comes back under your control immediately. It blinks, it comes back, kind of like a Dead Eye Navigator. Ooh. Like it doesn't come back at end of turn, it just comes back immediately and then if you have more non-creature spells you can do it again and again i mean comparing this to dead eye navigator is apt i think yeah but dead eye navigator is a broken card dead eye navigator used to be the boogeyman of our format i, I haven't seen it in a long long time uh, but people used to be it like six mana but yeah. this little guy costs four meow, yeah i think costs four four mana is really really good for this i think this is going to see a lot of play i think so too four mana and one thing that you pointed out to me earlier is that it can blink itself, so it protects itself. You target it with a removal spell because you're like, this thing's generating too much value, let me get rid of it. You're like, eh, nah, brainstorm. Brainstorm. Kitten gone. And then, and then it's back. It comes back again. Yeah. Uh, I think we know the power of being able to blink all non-land permanents. Like, we've seen Brago decks. Yeah. You know? Maybe not recently. Brago's maybe fallen out of favor a little bit. For, mm -hmm. for a long time, like, it was everywhere. And Brago, being able to blink a bunch of non- uh, non or just permanence non-land non -land yeah. permanence was so good mm -hmm. but you had to jump through so many hoops and it was still good displacer kitten is just like play your game cast your spells yeah generate value yeah it just has Amazing. so many homes it can be an artifact decks enchantment decks like spell slinger instant sorcery type decks like you're playing magic the gathering you're gonna have permanence you're gonna have non-creature spells i mean that's a good point it's not just for flicker decks you yeah. know it can go in a lot of different decks i think there's just not a lot of hoops to jump through in order for this to be very very good so i think this is one of the few cards in the set that has like super wide applicability and i think we're gonna be seeing it a lot awesome uh not awesome <laughs> i don't like this card. you don't like the card i mean i think it's very good but I don't like it. <laughs> mm, interesting. All right. I like this one. It's Aboleth Spawn. Oh, I like this one. Two and a blue for a two, three fish horror. It's got flash. Ward two and probing telepathy. Whenever a creature entering the battlefield under an opponent's control causes a triggered ability of that creature to trigger, you may copy that ability. You may choose new targets for the copy. Oh, Murph, are you playing an ATB creature? Uh, I sure am. DJ. I will ETB as well. Thank you. Nice. <laughs> That's you playing ball drifter yes please uh two as well yes all right okay. all right <laughs> i mean here's the thing i've played fairy artisans yeah fairy artisans is yeah it's a great card it creates a creature token whenever your opponents play a creature and a lot of times uh and then that token goes away so a lot of times all you're doing is farming etbs yeah as your opponents play their different creatures and abola spawn just does that but does it better mm -hmm. because it comes down earlier it has ward it has flash so you can almost guarantee that first trigger but in all honesty i don't think you need to flash sneak this in i think that this is another political card we can make a deal yeah uh, murph you're casting this ravenous chupacabra 
Chupacabra. Mm-hmm. Please don't target my Abolith spawn. You'd have to pay six mana for it anyway. It's true. It's, it does yeah. have ward. I promise that I won't target any of your stuff. Uh, we'll both go after Josh. Yeah. And then I'll be like, yeah, sure. Deal. Deal. Easy. Deal. We've just done. Easy. It. And now my Abolith spawn stays on the battlefield and we get double value. Oh, not to mention just all the mole drifters in the world. Yeah. I, I think fairy artisans is like an apt comparison because we've seen this card in play like i've seen people play against it and honestly do people like completely stop playing etb effects when you have fairy artisans out dj no people just keep playing people just keep playing their stuff they're a little bit worried about playing like a gigantic creature right before you're my turn yeah but like they don't care about etbs i get them all yeah it's great yeah they they might care again like you said about something that would blow up their own stuff all you got to do is be a little political about it and people will just continue to keep playing their stuff into it so for three mana i think this can get you a lot of value i mean not to mention that like we've talked about some what about like archon of cruelty or you know dockside extortionist oh dockside more dockside talk so you forgot about that (laughs) i think people still play dockside into this and they're like yeah sure yeah yeah Whose trigger goes on first, so who gets the more treasures? Um, let's see. So this Active player, non-active player? We're going to figure this player. out. Whatever creature entering the battlefield under opponent's control has a triggered ability to trigger. So triggers on the stack, your trigger goes on the stack, and then your trigger resolves first. Yeah. So they get even more treasures. So they get even more treasures. So by the way, this is a may ability. So yes. if you decide that this is too much, you can decide. You can be like, nah. No, I don't want to do this. Like, I'm not going to I'm not gonna do that. So this comes into play. Uh, actually, um, I... Uh, previewed the deck that this comes in. And so I talked to Gavin about this card and he noted that it was Mayability because uh, he didn't want people to die to... um, Phage. Yeah. He didn't (laughs) want people to die to Phage the Untouchable. Just have a forced forced thing. It's just like, I play Phage. I will copy that triggered ability and die. I like how Gavin's making like these card choices for (laughs) the corner case scenario of, yeah, but what if they play Phage? Yeah, what if... I think it's funny. What if they play level? die? Yeah, this is a fun card, though. I like it a lot. Oh, man, it's great. All right, let's move on to the black cards, and let's talk about a winner. All right, this one is Black Market Connections. Two and a black for an enchantment. At the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, choose one or more. Make a treasure token and you lose a life. Draw a card and you lose two life. Or create a 3-2 colorless shapeshifter token with changeling and you lose three life. Yes, please. All... I will pay six life. Yeah, because you choose one or more. You can pick all of them. I want all of them, yes. You pick one, you pick two, or you can pick three. Those are your options. Uh... So, so you can't choose zero. Correct. Okay. It has to be one or more. So if I am dying from paying six life every single turn, I still have to pay one and get a treasure. Yeah. Okay. But still, I, I'm going to pay six because here's the thing, you know, we know Phyrexian Arena, right? Yeah. Pay life on your upkeep and you get a card. Love it. Good. Fun a little bit out of favor with the commander community, I think. Yeah. But, but in general, but in general, a really good card. This gives you the extra mana to play those extra cards mm-hmm. and it gives you board presence if you need to. I love that the creature that it creates is a changeling. What? So it's all creature types. So just think about this in your angel decks. Think about this oh. in your dragon decks, triggering all those dragon things. Oh, it could be a zombie. It can be an elf. It can be uh, It could be anything. Yeah, that's true. Because like in a zombie deck, you could be like, oh, well, I just need bodies. This does everything for you. Yes. If you're in a tribal deck, this does everything. And even if you're not in a tribal deck, this does everything. <laughs> I know, yeah. Like, it gets you that body. Maybe in a not tribal deck, uh, if you're not under any immediate pressure, you won't be paying the three life to make a three two. Because th- that is a good uh, chunk of change as far as your life total goes. If you block a four power creature, you just gain some life. Exactly. Yeah. If people, if you don't have much of a board presence and people are pretty threatening, by all means, do it. It, it will pay off, almost certainly. 
your life is a resource, use it. Yeah. I do think that this will shine more in decks where you can have a little bit of incidental life gain. Mm -hmm. Luckily, uh, black is good for that. You play a gray merchant, you know, you get you get your life back, you yeah. play more of it. Because we've seen like Sylvan Library, uh, if you're paying eight life a turn to do things, it's usually pretty worth it, right? And people will do that, but you only do it for a few turns before you have to slow down because they're like, okay, well, I'm starting to lose a good chunk of life. Uh, but with this, it's not even as much life. And you're probably doing it for a couple more turns as a result. And again, if you have that life gain, then you're just doing it for the rest of the game, ideally. Just which is so much value. A really, just a really solid card. Yeah, um, like a lot. You should attack the player that plays this. Yeah. <laughs> you definitely should. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about another card. Let's talk about blood money mm. five black black for a sorcery destroy all creatures for each non-token creature destroyed this way you create a tapped treasure token yeah this one's fun um the one thing that i don't like about it is that it makes the treasures tapped i don't know if i i just don't like it very much in general because i feel like if i have a board wipe i need to be able to rely on it okay. and seven mana means that i cannot easily rely on it okay you know, if I if I want to kill, if I want to survive, if I want to kill the threat, I don't want to have to wait to seven mana because seven mana is hard to get there. And then also, your treasures are tapped. Yeah. Like one of the great things about playing a cheap board wipe in the late game is that you can redeploy afterwards. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you can follow it up with something so that you have a board presence. At seven mana, there's very little extra mana to regain a board presence. And your treasures are tapped, so you can't even use those treasures to regain the board presence. Yeah, you got to wait a whole turn in order to do anything. I, uh, I, I think this needed to have the none token clause removed or more ideally instead have the tapped clause removed. Just have them untapped, right? Yeah. Would that have been broken? No. I, I know that we've been talking a lot on this channel about like, yeah, but what if treasures just came in tapped? That would solve a lot of problems with treasures. Right. And it would, but I don't think this is the card that you want to be putting tapped <laughs> treasure on because it defeats the purpose of the entire card. Because the point of the card is I wipe the board and then I'm the first to rebuild. Yeah, it's a really inflexible board wipe, but do you know what? I get rewarded for playing it. Exactly. Like, you know, there are big board wipes out there that reward you for it. Like in Garrick's Wake, you yeah. know, you don't have to reboard, uh, rebuild because... You already you, have it. Yeah, you, you it just destroys everyone else's, but yeah. it costs so much mana that it's inflexible I'd in that way. I'd rather run like Decree of Pain over this or something. Decree of Pain is, again, another really good example of that. You are you're giving up a ton of flexibility when it comes to wiping the board when you need it wiped, yeah. but gaining a ton of cards. Yeah. Because oftentimes, like with a board wipe, people will have dumped their hands out and then you, with Decree of Pain, draw a bunch of cards. Now you're the one that's in the lead. Sure, it might take an entire turn in order to redeploy, but with a board wipe and all you get is mana, mana's not... You're kind of hoping you have the cards to match it. Yeah, too. you have to have the cards to match it, which I don't love. Some people might. I don't know. I'm not... I'm yeah, not super high on though. it. Yeah, for sure. It's okay. All right. Let's do another one. All right. Another one. Altar of Ball. One in a black. It's an artifact. It's got an adventure for three in a black. That makes a 4-1 skeleton token with menace. Why do you sound down about that ability? That's the <laughs> That's main thing the we're talking about. the point of the about. card. It's a 4-1. Did you read that it has menace? The point of the card, DJ, is that it's two in a black. Tap, exile a creature you control. A return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Activate only as a sorcery. Okay, so, so I, that's pay, more interesting. I pay two mana for an artifact. Uh -huh. I pay three to activate it. Yes. I also exile a creature, but then I get to reanimate everything I want. Yeah, you can reanimate anything. And then I can... It stays on the board, turn. right? It doesn't go away at end of turn, which is pretty good. That's cool. I, li I like that part. It's only your graveyard. Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, people are comparing this to Recurring Nightmare, which is a banned card. Oh, yeah. And probably, like, a good decision that it's banned because it is so powerful. Yeah, if you've ever played with Recurring Nightmare, you, you understand why it's banned, right? <laughs> uh, but this is so far removed from Recurring Nightmare. It has you exiling the creature, which means you can't get the churn going on. Yeah. You can only do it once a turn, so you can't just, like, uh, spend six mana to do it over and over again. Yeah, because with Recurring Nightmare, you can just play it out again, do it again. Also, it's a lot of mana to get this started, so you're not you're also not really easily uh, jumping up to a really high mana cost. Like, you know, yeah, that's true. You know, with reanimate turn two, you could have just Something a giant huge. creature on the battlefield. Whereas this, you're you're not getting that as fast. Yeah, your huge creature is a little bit less impactful because it's coming later in the game. Yeah, I think the one thing this has going for it is that it's repeatable, right? Yeah, it's repeatable, but you can't reuse the same thing over and over which i'm kind of glad that that's the case um but you can also only do it once per turn right like if this didn't tap i think that's that would be more along the lines of mm. what i'm looking for i would like in a card like this i would like it if it didn't tap you know late yeah. game late game i have six mana just activate activate i would like that yeah. a little bit more because you get I some etbs and again you exile a card in order to make that happen so i don't think it's like super broken yeah, the timing restriction really messes with it i mean i one card that I've comparing it to my in my mind is not recurring nightmare is yeah. Hell's Caretaker, which is three and a black for a one one horror tap sacrifice a creature return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield activate this ability only during your upkeep. Yeah. So creature which makes it vulnerable but no mana to activate mm -hmm. can still do it every single turn. Yeah. And you don't have to exile anything. Yeah. Maybe removing the tap ability on this card isn't the correct thing in order to like tweak it where it needs to be. But I think some other like levers and dials had to be like pulled and twisted. Hmm. In order a to turn five this... one skeleton. <laughs> yes. That's what would make this playable. A five one skeleton. <laughs> I think I don't, I don't think I'm going to be playing this in my, in yeah. my decks. If I if I'm reanimating fast, I want it faster. If I'm creating an engine, I want an engine that doesn't exile creatures yeah. or that I can use multiple times. Yeah, it doesn't do anything spectacularly, which is why I, I think it ends up being not that great. All right, let's move on to red. Yes. I want to talk about Balor. Balor? Balor. Balor? I, I don't know. Balor. I think, I think Balor is right. We're going to go with that. And if it's not, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> Balor is three red, red, four, five, five demon. It's got flying. And whenever Balor attacks or dies, choose one or more. Each mode must, must target a different player. Target opponent draws three cards, then discards three cards at random. Target opponent sacrifices a non-token artifact. Balor deals damage to target opponent equal to the number of cards in their hand. Ooh. Josh, I love this card. Yeah, so this is a really interesting one because it's first of all mono red demon which we don't see super often usually has black oh, yeah in it, you're right uh which i like uh but also it's triggers on attack doesn't deal and death too and death yeah it doesn't worry about combat damage or anything like the elder dragons or anything like that true you do have to give a haste wait a turn in order for it to do its thing but it comes down on five man but yeah it comes down on yeah. five so i think that this is a lot better than something like that in like an average deck let so me let's, be clear <laughs> let me let me evaluate all these all these different modes yeah. okay so let's say that i do the first one the burning inquiry mm -hmm. you you know i randomly target you and you have to draw three and discard three at random yeah okay uh is that good or bad oh that's bad for me usually Oh, it is. But it's random, though. So it, it, could, it could perfectly sculpt your hand and get rid of the lands that you didn't need. Yeah. It could also totally mess up your hand. Yeah, it could totally screw you. I, 
I think that it's all, well, it also could totally screw you if I have like a Narset Pardor of Veils. Please don't be that guy, <laughs> how about, DJ. How about a Waste Knot? I just make Okay, Waste Knot. All right, I like Waste Knot. How about Zyrus the Writhing Storm? Nah, that's make a little spicy snaky one. Boys. That's spicy. I like that. Yeah. Um, in general, random is random. And yes, you can mess people's hands, but you can also make their hands better. Um, but. I, I think would, you still want to do the ability, right? But what if w- people in Commander have graveyard synergies, though? Don't target the graveyard player with this ability. <laughs> it's a good device. Okay, let's go on to the next part. Uh, an artifact edict. Non-token, too. Yes. So with all those treasures floating around, you can't just be like, boop, sacrifice the treasure. Yeah. I think that was very smart of them for them to totally. do that. Totally. Because people will still have the mana rocks out, and it will hit that. This but is going to snag a mana rock. Yeah. For sure. Most likely. Like because if you have someone with it, yeah, if you have any artifacts that actually matter, people will hit their mana rocks and have those go away before getting to the artifacts that actually matter. And you can uh, target the same person every time, right? So you can be like, all right, you sacrifice an artifact. Now you sacrifice another artifact. Now you sacrifice another artifact every single turn oh, and just yes. keep hitting that same person. Keep getting into those juicy artifacts more and more powerful. Yeah. I, I mean, this, this only has to get a couple artifacts where it starts competing with some of the more powerful um, creatures. Yeah. I, I think that's the way to do it where you want to pick which mode you're going to be targeting this person with and then continue to be targeting the person with that mode. Right? So you burning inquiry uh, type effects where they draw three, discard three at random. You, just, you pick that guy because they have the least likelihood of being able to use the grave. Exactly. Yeah. And pick that person again and again and again so that they're always kind of on the back foot trying to deploy the things that matter to them before it just goes away again next turn. Right? Oh, they're more likely to tap out and just put something out there and be yeah. like, uh, because they know it's coming next turn too. Yeah. You're right. That could have them making suboptimal plays. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually a biggest, the biggest fan of this last mode because mm-hmm. I've seen too many greedy players out there with just tons of cards in their hand. <clears throat> Josh, quick. Yeah. They're just <laughs> holding 15 or 20 or just picking up their deck. And you know what? I want to deal damage equal to the number of cards in your hand. Yeah. I want to smash you. And then I want to just b- do a ton of damage and punish that greed. Yeah. And honestly, you don't even have to be punishing people that are greedy with 15 cards. Even if they have six or seven, you do that a couple times. That's a big chunk of their life. I hit you and then I deal another five to you. That's yeah, crazy. That's that's nutty. Like if you have seven cards in hand, that's 12 damage. Do it again next turn. That's 24. That is. That's almost as much damage as the Battle Angels of Tear. <laughs> You really like that. I honestly think that Baylor's good. I think that you do. I think that damage is critical. You do want to be pushing through damage or you want a big flyer demon. Uh, The artifact stuff is fantastic too. So I think that this hits a lot of different um, things that I'm interested in, honestly. Oh my gosh, Josh, I forgot. Yeah. Turgrid, God of Fright. Oh, with the discard at random effects. And the sacrifice, the artifact effect. You're a terrible person, (laughs) DJ. (laughs) (laughs) But this is a fun card. I I like it a lot. For sure. All right, let's talk about some green cards. First up, we got Majestic Genesis. Six green green for a sorcery. Reveal the top X cards of your library, where X is the greatest mana value of a commander you own. On the battlefield or in the command zone, you may put any number of permanent cards from among them onto the battlefield. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So that's super interesting. It's kind of like Genesis Wave, but it's not as modular. You don't get to pick what X is. Yeah, I mean, when I'm casting Genesis Wave, I'm usually casting it for... Uh, most to all of my deck. I'm wondering if I'm ever casting it for like six or seven and happy. Yeah. I think I'm putting a ton more mana into it. At what points do you think that you have to have, like what mana value of commander do you think you would have to have for you to be happy playing this? I mean, okay, so I am happy at 10. So am I happy at eight? (laughs) 
<laughs> is there even a I commander at ten? There's not much. The Ur Dragon is a ten, right? Uh, for I thought it was nine. Nine. I'm happy yeah. at nine then. <laughs> yeah. I play this in Ur Dragon, promise. <laughs> uh, Galta. What? How much man is Galta? Galta is like twelve, I think. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm Galta's happy so with good. Galta. I'm happy with uh, other big things. Ooh, I'm um, Galta now. I think that this needs to be seven yeah seven or eight is probably seven or eight and there's that makes it a really narrow card because mm -hmm. there just aren't very many seven or eight drop commanders out there yeah the upside of this is that it doesn't say like with genesis wave you have to get x or less uh mana value mm, but with true. this card you can be, just get any permanent that you see in the top whatever your x cards of your deck are so you could get uh blightsteel colossus even if your commander is mana value six right mm-hmm so there is that cheating of mana cost. But again, it's eight mana. So <laughs> it's kind of a lot. Yeah, I think, you, lot. I think you really want to be digging like seven or eight or more. Yeah. Just to be good. It's too, it's too narrow. It, it has a few homes, but I think it's just not generically good enough to find space in most things. I, like, I tried playing this in the Baldur's Gate draft. Mm-hmm didn't work mm, okay. <laughs> definitely did not work <laughs> uh okay so let's talk about a contender with displacer kitten for the cutest card this is pretty cute <laughs> owl bear cub <laughs> owl bear cub i think this is cuter than displacer kitten displacer kitten looks a little mean although i guess this guy looks a little bit mean look at him he's like he's like staring at me like a little bit grumpy that's me when i wake up in the morning <laughs> <laughs> just nobody talked to me until i've had my you're coffee an, you're an owlbear cub i'm an owlbear cub uh it's a two and a green three three creature uh it's got mama's coming whenever owlbear cub attacks a player who controls eight or more lands look at the top eight cards of your library you may put a creature card from among them onto the battlefield tapped and attacking that player put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order i like cheating big things into play yeah so the cheating big play big things into play is like a huge draw of this but you have to attack a player, first of all. It's like the only draw, too, because I'm normally not playing a three-mana 3-3. Three, three. Yeah, three-mana 3-3, three, three, eh, whatever. Um, okay. It has to attack in order to do its thing. But not only that, it has to attack a player that has eight or more lands. Not even mana, not mana rocks, yeah. not like, you know, treasure tokens, eight or more lands. Yeah, so you're that's usually... That's not happening soon. You're usually probably going after a green deck that's ramped a lot, or maybe a white deck that's <laughs> now has all this <laughs> deep new terramancer deep known terramancer <laughs> uh but it will take a while even so right like for people to get eight lands it's probably turn six or no, later i want to cheat my big thing into play faster that way it has a bigger impact and if someone has to have eight land for me to cheat my big thing into play then it's just it'll come into play and great i'll save man i'll get a cool thing on the battlefield to be tapped and attacking yeah all that's great stuff but it's really not going to be as impactful than if i find another way to get it on the battlefield faster yeah i wouldn't mind this so much uh if you didn't have to attack the player with eight lands mm. because the player with you eight could lands, just keep doing it over and over again yeah the player with eight lands almost certainly has something big enough on the board to be blocking this and that other, otherwise what are they doing with eight lands well and also the other creatures attacking them too so there it's not like i can say oh let me hit you with this little owlbear cub and then i'll send the big thing i get at murph yeah yeah there's not really much you can do with this politically uh, no. i i don't love it i love the art though that's pretty cute i do love the art though uh okay next up we've got green slime just generic just green slime uh it's two and a green for a two two ooze with flash when green slime enters the battlefield counter target activated or triggered ability from an artifact or enchantment source if a permanence ability is countered this way destroy that permanent it also has foretell for green 
Oh, this is interesting. So yeah. I think that we're all very used to playing three mana, enter the battlefield, destroy an artifact or enchantment. Yeah, it's Reclamation like, Sage. Reclamation right? Sage is great, you know? Yeah. Um, but Green Slime has a different like mode to it where it's yeah. like it sneaks in and it counters this thing and destroys it. I like, I can't see myself using this very often, but I feel like it's a blowout when I do. Yeah, like a lot of the cards that we've talked about, I don't think that this card is a uh, jam it in every deck and it'll be great. I think it's definitely like meta narrow, a little meta dependent, a uh, pretty narrow use case scenario. Uh, but for example, you could get like an Aetherflux Reservoir. They pay 50 life to take somebody out and then you're like, counter it, counter it, it blow up your reservoir. <laughs> so there's definitely fun like things that. you can do, do with like it. Um, yeah, you just have to take a look at your meta and think, okay, what artifacts and enchantments with activated or triggered abilities do I really care about? Hmm. That makes sense. Uh, but in general, you're saying to people, play your Reclamation Sages sort of over this because you you want that higher consistency. Play this if you want like a cool story, a big blowout. Yeah. You want an ooze on someone's face. Yeah. Stuff like that. I do like that it has foretell. So you can foretell it and then it's just a single green to unfortell or just mm. to play it. Uh, which I really like because holding up a green is a lot easier to hold up than three mana. Yeah. Three mana is like kind of hard. <laughs> For sure. I think there, I mean, and there are situations where you'll get them like that. If there's flux reservoir you yeah. described and instances where you can get someone are so much fun. So yeah. I think that the fun factor could have me playing this card. Yeah. It's definitely worth a look. All right. Next up, we're moving on to colorless cards. So we have, what are you doing? Are you, are you making a paper airplane? Now I am. <laughs> I was just gonna throw it, but now <laughs> you gotta make. But a now we're making. So while DJ's uh, making that paper airplane, we got Frayne Line. It's a four mana artifact, colorless. When it enters the battlefield, put a rope counter on target creature you control. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player can pay two, and if they do, they put a rope counter on a creature they control. Otherwise, exile Frayne Line and each creature without a rope counter on it. They remove all rope counters from all creatures. So that's a very long-winded way of saying. Enters the battlefield, put a counter on a creature, it'll save that creature. And then it goes to the next person, and they can pay two mana, put a counter on one of their creatures that will save that creature. Or they can choose to do nothing, and then frame line exiles everything. I think I might just pay two and save my best thing. Yeah. And then you're not getting the reliable board wipe that you want. Like, yeah. Does that, does that minimize this thing's utility? Yeah, so nice paper airplane. Thank you. Very nice. Um, yeah, so it does minimize it like a decent bit, because you will be putting a rope counter on something that you care about. But then when it goes to the next person, they'll say, oh, well, this is the thing I care about most. I'm going to put a rope counter on that. And everyone's going to do that all the way until it gets back to your next turn, at which point you'll probably let it go off because you played this card. You probably want a board wipe to go off. Yeah. There's no reason to let it continue. But so then everyone saved their best thing. Then so everyone's, like yeah. So everyone saved their best thing. And the reason that you play a board wipe is because you usually want to get rid of everything. You want to get rid of the scariest thing that's on somebody's board. Yeah. So I don't know. Does this, so does this serve the purpose that we're looking for? I think it really depends in that uh, the scary person has to be not the person immediately to your left. So if you play this, oh, you so save one of your creatures and be like, hey, just don't do we anything. We need to get rid of the Elish Norn over exactly. there. You, you me tell me, like, DJ, you need to wipe the board. You yeah. need to not pay. I mean, you can if you want to, but then they're going to keep the Elish Norn around. We got to work together on this. Yeah, I can just be like, 
DJ, you want a board wipe? And you'll be like, yeah. And I'll be like, all right, fray in line. DJ, you're not going to pay? And you're like, no, I want the, yeah, the board wipe. Oh, and it's exile too. Yeah, and it's exile. So now you've paid only four mana, kept your best creature, and you got an exile board wipe that's colorless. Yeah, so I think that if you can play the political the political game with it a little bit, that this card can be good. That's that's a very good scenario. That's a very good scenario. But you got to work to get it. Yeah, and also if the person immediately after you is the threats, well, they're just going <laughs> to not work with you probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a chance that they're, they're they're threatening because their board is wide and not, you know, a single creature, mm-hmm. um, in which case it could work, you know, and you are, they still have to pay two, so you would be taxing all your opponents around. Yeah, and it's a colorless board wipe, so uh, colors like green, where yeah. they don't really have any board wipes, maybe this finds a home, but I, I want to try it out and at least see how it goes before saying, no, nah, this is absolutely unplayable. What if they can't pay two? Oh, so what I'm hearing is Armageddon. Float the mana, play this, profit. <laughs> they won't be able to pay the two, and it goes off, you exiles win. everything. <laughs> and you great. will not have a play group after that. <laughs> I don't know. If you pull that off, I'd play with you. Oh, thanks, DJ. Uh, really appreciate okay. it. Next up, we have Nautiloid Ship. It is a four mana vehicle. It's mm-hmm. a five five flyer with crew three. When Nautiloid Ship enters the battlefield, exile target player's graveyard. When Nautiloid Ship deals combat damage to a player, you may put a creature card exiled with Nautiloid Ship onto the battlefield under your control. There's a lot of things in this set that put creatures on the battlefield under your control that yeah. have you jump through way too many hoops. So you don't like this card? Is that what I'm hearing? No, I do like this card. It's a cool, chonky... <laughs> you said you have to jump through a lot of hoops, It's though. a cool, chonky squid vehicle yeah. that hits in for five and exiles people's graveyards. That's I like exiling people's gra- graveyards. Yeah. But the thing is that on four, you're not going to get very much. You're not going to get something that you're really excited about reanimating. Yeah. And in the late game, um, then you're right. You know, you could theoretically get something really good, but then it still has to make connect which means mm-hmm. that people are going to be really suspicious about this card and they're going to be really wary about the um, your ability to get the damage through. Yeah, I think you're right about the amount of jumps, that, uh, amount of jumps, amount of hoops that you have to jump through because you got to pay four mana to play it. Mm-hmm. It exiles a graveyard, which is pretty good. Yeah. Um, but then you have to be able to crew it. You can't really crew it that turn because... Not an insig- Like, that's a pretty significant crew cost too. Three? Yeah, three is pretty big. Uh, you got to be able to crew it with another creature that you have. You can't attack the same turn that you play it because the second you make it a creature, it'll check, well, have I been under my, the controller's control since the beginning of the next... Since the beginning of the upkeep? It'll be like, no, I have summoning sickness. So you still got to wait a whole other turn in order to do it. And then you get your reanimation. And then, do you think you gotta connect? It's so, yeah, yeah. It does I, have it's the same. It's actually the same uh, issue I have with a lot of the dragons. Is that people will see this coming a mile away? Yeah. And if it's good enough, people will answer it. And if it's bad enough, then then do you know what? That's fine. I'll still play a five five flyer yeah. that chonks in and takes out your graveyard. So I'll still I'll still play it, but I don't have high hopes for reanimating really good things. Yeah, I, I think it's hard because. It doesn't do great early because there's not that much stuff in graveyards early and it doesn't do great late because then people have stuff that can block and also you have to play it wait a whole turn and then attack with it in order to do the thing when you could have just played a regular old reanimation spell so if you temper your expectations because i'm not hyped on the on the top end mm-hmm. if this just got a secure tri-builder yeah i that's great right mm, i don't know if that's great mm. what about a dark side that'd be great <laughs> 
<laughs> Moving on. Just play Dockside is what I'm hearing. <laughs> this is not good advice, Murph. It's, yeah. It actually, do you know what I lie? It is good advice. It's just not helpful. It's advice. not helpful. Hey, did you know this good card you already know is good? Play that. All right. Speaking of good cards, what is the best card, the most powerful card, the card that everyone should have their little eyes focused on, either to put it in their decks or kill it as soon as it hits the battlefield. Yeah, no, I, I know what my pick is. You know what your pick is? And it's written right down here. All right, ready? Yeah. Three, two, one. Displacer, Displacer kitten. kitten. Yeah. Like Displacer Kitten, I think, is on just a whole other power level than the rest of these cards. A lot of these other cards have more niche use scenario. Uh, they can be powerful. And the right deck, but Displacer Kitten goes in so many decks, I think, that it's just far and away the most powerful. So Agreed. It's going to do some gross stuff. And yeah, uh, yeah. watch out yeah. for it. In the 99th, at the very least. And you know what? You're going to try to kill it because it's on the battlefield, and they're just going to blink it out. It's exactly. going to displace. All right, Murph, what's the card that you're most hyped about? Uh, Deep, Known ter- Deep Gnome Terramancer. Of course. It's just so good. You get those lands. If you're playing white, you're going to be playing Deep Gnome Terramancer. Yeah. I like both and the card draw one, but I think the Terramancer is a more powerful card and one that I'm just going to be putting in more decks. Because I play plenty of green list decks that also have whites. And they might also have blue. They might also have black. Other colors that are already good at card draw, but those colors aren't necessarily good at ramp. And I think that this card really helps out with that a lot. Sounds good. Uh, I, I got to go with the Battle Angels of Tear. You think so? That's your favorite? That's, that's the one I'm going to put. That's Yes, my favorite. I'm going to put it in the most decks. It is going to deal a ton of damage. I'm going to make sure it draws me cards. I, I, I will eat my words when I die to it. <laughs> I'm going to play. You don't DJ have to die like, to it. It's going to be oh, my new man. white mold drifter. I'm going to draw two cards. I'm going to deal Ooh. 24 damage. I'm going to make a treasure to cast more spells. It's going to be amazing. It's a white mold drifter. That's that's what DJ said. You so do you know what I call the white folks. mold drifter? What? Ranger Vios. <laughs> it's the white mold drifter. So true. <laughs> okay, moving on. All right, to the <laughs> listeners. What's your favorite Commander Legends Battle for Baldur's Gate card that's going to be in the 99 of your deck? Is there any card from the set that you think we missed? Remember, once more, we only talked about in the 99 here. Uh, so if there's any backgrounds or other legendaries that you're looking for, we already made episodes about those. Please go check those out. We also did the Commander Live episode where we talked about a ton of other cards in the 99. Uh, so check that out before you come and yell at us that we didn't cover <laughs> your favorite stuff. You can yell at Murph. It's fine. You can yell at DJ. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah whatever i'll leave it <laughs> it's fine all right but before we go we have to shout out our sponsors one last time if you thought any of these cards were super cool i thought a lot of these cards were super cool dj very cool go to channelfireball.com slash commands that's the best place to go to buy your singles sealed product commander product for battle for Baldur's gates uh, double masters is coming up soon you can pre-order that stuff uh, Channel Fireballs, uh, great websites where you can buy basically anything magic related from verified sellers. So you know you're going to be getting good prices, great service, uh, nicely graded cards, which I value quite a bit. Um, and yeah, Channel Fireball is just a joy to be able to shop on. So channelfireball.com slash commands. And if you forget to put the slash command in the URL, just put the code command at checkout. It'll do exactly the same thing. Uh, support the content you love and uh, helps us out a lot. And our other sponsor is Ultra Pro. Uh, Ultra Pro has all of the deck boxes, sleeves, playmats, basically everything you could ever want or need. Ultra Pro helped make this very, very cool 
check out the Kickstarter and Play go Matt. on there yes. right now because you are running out of time. <laughs> We're not to the get Kickstarter the plug. Lightning Tiger, but it's the Ultra Pro makes this. Ultra Pro does make this. Like Ultra Pro makes this stuff, and they make the coolest things because yes. they make the mats and the products that have magic art on it, and yeah. they make wonderful art like this for content creators like the command zone. So support ultra pro yeah. support the Kickstarter, um, support, uh, the things that you love. Like yeah. Murph. I think ultra pro playmats, ultra pro playmats are like the best. Like that, that's all I use. I still have ultra pro playmats from like, let's see, 2014 <laughs> is my early days with magic. Uh, I have ultra pro playmats from them that still work just fine. There's like no frame or anything still function just fine as playmats. So, you know, that, uh, ultra pro products will last a long time and look good while doing it. Perfect. What are you looking at? <laughs> you want to read the long list of names? No, now? I'm going to stall until you do it. <laughs> okay, fine, fine, fine. Uh, I was trying to talk in between, so then you would do this. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, but big thanks to our amazing team here at the Command Zone. Uh, Damon Lenz, Sean O'Gillis, Arthur Metacroft, Ashen Rose, Lady Danger, Manson Lug, Crank Bunchet, Josh Murphy, that's me, Jake Boss, Patrick Nahn, Jordan Pridgen, Sam Waldo, Gaurav Galati, Truck Ty, Jamie Block, Mitch Trafford, and Evan Limburger. I swear this list gets longer every <laughs> single time we do it. <laughs> and I'm not on the list. I'm DJ. You can yes. check me out on the Jumbo Commander YouTube channel, on Twitter, all sorts of places like that. Yep, makes awesome uh, stuff. Of course, thank you. Yeah. Of course, there's also a special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer for the Living Card Animations at Living Cards MTG. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you. And thank you for watching. Yeah. Have a good one, everyone. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com. Or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> <laughs>